0: I am bound for the promised land, I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Thank you, Jason, very much. It didn't hit me until Jason started singing that song there is an illustration for the Proverbs that we're going to cover this morning that's a little bit odd, but it's a perfect illustration. Michelle likes to watch reality television and there's one particular show called 90 Day Fiance. don't know if you've seen it. It really doesn't matter. But the concept of the show is an American falling in love with someone in a different country via the internet. They decide they want to get married and it's the process of moving from one country to another which is just it's it's fascinating to me the things that people <coughs> can do um, and then the consequences of those actions there's one particular man on the show i can't remember his name doesn't matter but he's catholic and every character you you can tell there's something unusual about their perspective that's why they put him on the show but his perspective he's very very catholic What makes him interesting to me is he's very, very Catholic, but he reads his Bible. And on the show, every scene he's talking about something religious. Well, now they are into the final thing where they're all in the same room, and everybody's jumping on him for his religion. And I thought to myself, that's a good thing to be jumped on for. That's what Paul was jumped on for. That's what Jesus was jumped on for. Um... I'm going to bring him up a couple of times with the Proverbs that we get this morning. But um, if you think of his name, write it down for me. Chronological study of the Bible. Solomon did not include any of this in his book that we're going to cover. Okay, He did write it, but he didn't include any of it. Hezekiah added it 200 years later. For 200 years, the book of Proverbs ended at 23. Proverbs 25, verse number three, the heaven for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is unsearchable. The heaven for height. Now, the heaven for height does not stop at where the airplanes are. It goes much farther than that. The heaven for height does not stop at where the Hubble can see. It goes much farther than that. The heaven for height, the earth for depth, We are just now getting to be able to see some of the deepest parts of the ocean. And the heart of kings is unsearchable. Very interesting. He's saying that the heart of kings is unknowable. The king has experience, has experience that most people cannot imagine. There was a former president who was leaving office and the person replacing him was totally opposite in political stance. And this former president who was leaving office was asked, are you worried about what he's going to do? And the former president said, no, I'm not worried at all. said, when he knows what I know, I know what he's going to do. And it worked out exactly like he planned. The king, leaders, presidents, pastors, Sunday school teachers, any leader fits this category, has experience that most people cannot imagine. He can use that gift for good or evil. We see uh, the use of evil in Hitler, uh, Stalin, some of these other places, but these people are very, very intelligent because of the experiences that they have. A lot of times they're very creative people, and they're also very aggressive people, so they're not afraid to try new things. But when it comes to the average citizen We want to criticize everything they do because we're thinking that they're making decisions based on our knowledge and that's just not the case. They know things. They've had experience in areas that we can't possibly imagine. That being said, that doesn't make them right. It does not make them right. Um, Particularly in our type of political system, you've got people on either end of the scale looking at the same problem, so they do have experience, they do have perspective, but The direction, the wisdom, that's a whole other story. Don't answer. Do not answer. The only way to outsmart a leader, the only way to outsmart a leader regardless of who he is, up to and including Adolf Hitler, the only way to outsmart him is with what? Don't answer, but in your mind. What's the only way to outsmart him? Scripture. It's the only way to outsmart him. Why in the world would you want to use Scripture on Hitler? Only scripture is absolutely dependable. Only scripture. Political stuff changes. Science changes. Even math changes. Scripture does not change. The wisdom in scripture always works. Back to this dude on the show. The couples going through the different processes, they're using their different means and methods of working through. His thing is always the Bible. The Bible, the Bible. And on the show, it makes him look like an idiot, but he's making good decisions. Very interesting to me. Jesus taught this exact same thing in Luke chapter 21, which Ray read a few minutes ago. He said, someday, it's going to get so bad that you're going to be drugged in front of kings. Now, right now, occasionally, we do things that get us in front of a police officer on very very rare occasions we get in front of a judge but imagine being dragged before the president or congress by the way congress can do that they do it all the time say they just subpoena you say you got to come to testify and if you don't they can have you arrested jesus said i'll tell you what to say now we got to be careful with this one because that does not mean he's going to put the thoughts in our head if we're not careful we'll go in there and we will say some stupid stuff and blame it on God because Jesus said they're going to give me the words to say a lot of preachers go into the pulpit this way well God will tell me what to say no preparation that's not how it works Right. how does it work? we study God's word we get God's word to be part of us And then when the question is asked, like the guy on the TV show, it just comes out. It just comes out. Even in front of leaders, regardless of what level, this works every time. How do I know that? The Apostle Paul is one of the best examples. Jesus himself, one of the best examples. How did they answer governments? Through Scripture. Even the things they said became part of scripture, but most of the things they said was based on Old Testament scripture. They're just bringing up stuff that they had learned that they knew to be true. I wonder why Solomon didn't include this in this book called Proverbs. Again, Proverbs ended, I think it's 24. I said 23, but I think it's 24. But the book ended before chapter 25. Solomon had no intention of this being included. He did write it, but for 200 years it sat, who knows? King Hezekiah found it, or his people working for him. And he said, you know what? This needs to be included in it. What does that say about scripture? My word shall never, ever, ever pass away even if they forget to put it in. I submit to you that this always was Scripture, just Solomon, and whatever's going on in his head didn't include it. And that makes me wonder what is going on in his head. There are things that happened to Solomon that get him to Ecclesiastes. It didn't happen overnight. And I think whatever this is that kept this out is part of, those, that part of that situation. But this was always Scripture, or else God wouldn't have it in for us. If God can find something, not find, that's another word, if God can recover something hidden for 200 years and add it back to Scripture, how dependable is the Bible that we have? It's absolutely 100% dependable. We know it because God has preserved it for all this time. In the early days of the disciples, the apostles, the book of Acts, they had to make some decisions about what books are going to be included because a lot of that stuff was being written in real time. All right, You've got Paul writing a letter. It's like, all right, should this be included in Scripture or not? So they had to make some decisions about... Should we trust this or not? The book of James, written by the brother of Jesus, is a good illustration of this. A lot of people even today think the book of James should not be included in the Bible for various reasons. I think the most convincing reason that we should consider James part of the Bible is the fact that it's been preserved in the collection for 2,000 years. If God didn't want it there, he had plenty of opportunity to take it away. So, therefore, as we look at what's going on with Solomon and not including this verse, but then God motivating 200 years later Hezekiah to put it in, it makes you wonder not only what does the proverb say, not only what does the proverb mean, but why didn't he include it in? I am absolutely convinced this verse is going to be answered in the book of Ecclesiastes. I think I know where but i'm not studied it completely so i'm not going to go out and say it but i believe the book of ecclesiastes explains why this proverb was not included by solomon but god did in fact put it in. We'll talk about that when we finally get to ecclesiastes. Solomon did include Proverbs 19:10. He did include Proverbs 19:10 which says delight is not seedly for a fool much less for a servant to have rule over princes the heart of kings is unsearchable much less for a servant to have rule over princes when we discussed Proverbs 19 we talked about how that the servant does not have experience to be able to lead that's why it's not appropriate for a servant to suddenly be in charge it's kind of the antithesis a little bit of the same thought but Solomon consciously did not include verse 3 he could have it was written it was findable he didn't put it in. Verse 4, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away the dross from the silver. How do you do that? you got to put it through the fire. Okay? When scripture said, says God is testing someone, he's purifying them. He's not trying to find out what's going on. He knows what's going on. He's removing the dross, the bad stuff. Take away the bad stuff, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer or something worth something. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne shall be established in righteousness. Take away the wicked from before the king. In other words, limit who can see the king and his throne shall be established in righteousness. They have always done this. Every leader has done this. Except one that I'm aware of. And his name was Solomon. We're going to talk about that in Ecclesiastes. But... Typically, the only people that get around a leader of any level are people that agree with them. Most leaders don't want to hear that's not a good idea. Most leaders, eh, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, well, I like that one. Let's do that one. Just because he agrees with it. In the book of First and 2 Kings, as we continue through after Solomon, we're going to see this happen a lot where people just do stupid stuff they've got the power to do it but it's just stupid because they don't get proper advice why they think it's not righteous i it doesn't agree with me so it must not be righteous in this case though we are the king in this application we are the king how do i know that all scripture is for us to learn from we can't control joe biden there's no way we can, so we can't use this take away the wicked from joe biden it does not apply we though are leaders in our circle of influence even if it's just at home with our children we are leaders in our circle of influence wicked is not seeking jesus end relationships that are not spiritually growing is what he's saying here Take away the wicked. Those that are not spiritually seeking Jesus or any level seeking Jesus from the king, from you and your decision making. End those relationships that are not spiritually growing. Did? Don't answer. Did Jesus do this? Remember, he hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and was accused of hanging out with the wrong crowd. Those people were spiritually growing. Regardless of where they had been, they were moving in the right direction. Pharisees. Jesus didn't care to hang out with the Pharisees that much except to to point out some of their inconsistencies. But he didn't spend all his time with the religious establishment. Why? Not spiritually growing. They thought they'd achieved it. They had made a lot of money because they thought they'd achieved it end relationships that are not spiritually growing with one exception don't answer out loud what is the one exception don't answer what is the one exception of a relationship that we can be in that actually is potentially hurtful to us that we have to stay in anybody think you know without saying a word marriage marriage that's the one exception to this Scripture makes it clear that marriage is permanently binding until death. Now, y'all know I'm divorced, so I'm no example for this. But Scripture, talking about Scripture itself, marriage is to stay there. Make that one grow. Ephesians 5 says, You don't leave her, you make it grow. How in the world can I make that relationship become spiritually growing? Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives. That's the key. Wives, submit to your husbands. That's the key. In this show, one of the things he talks about, and they keep bringing it up. He doesn't bring it up. They bring it up. When you come to America, and you marry her, you move into her house. Who's going to be in charge? He says, well, me. What? What? well that's what the Bible says what? oh yeah the Bible says that and it is so politically offensive that everybody's. how can you say that it's like in America we're equal in those foreign ignorant countries the men may be in charge but that's not how we do it here even Christian homes even Christian homes why? we don't submit to the Bible and we don't study it to find out what we're supposed to be submitting to I wonder why Solomon didn't include this one take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer take away the wicked from before the king his throne shall be established in righteousness this one I'm 99% sure will be answered in Ecclesiastes I'm 99% sure we're going to find out in Ecclesiastes why Solomon did not include this. Is it true? Yes. Is it wise? Yes. It is so true and so wise that God dug it up after 200 years and put it back into the canon of Scripture. But what's going on with Solomon? We need to be thinking, what's going on with Solomon? And I can't say this too much. There is too much of a change in him from Ecclesiastes, from Proverbs to Ecclesiastes. In your Bible, it's literally one verse. In Solomon's life, there's a lot of stuff that happened in between those two verses. Put not forth thyself in the presence of the king, and stand not in the place of great men. For better it is to be said unto thee, Come up hither, than that thou shouldest be put lower in the presence of the prince whom thine eyes have seen. Jesus taught something very similar. He used feasts. Places at the table as the application, but it's the same concept. In fact, I believe Jesus probably used this proverb as a reference point, but it didn't get recorded. Can't prove it. I wasn't there. But uh, the, the two teachings are so similar, I think, that probably Jesus used Proverbs 25, 6, and 7 in teaching the truth that he taught. Don't try to bypass lower authorities. That's the prince whom my eyes have seen. The prince whom thy eyes have seen is not the king. The prince who thy eyes have seen is someone who has some authority over you but not nearly complete authority over you. Don't try to bypass lower authorities to higher ones. Well, isn't it easier just to get the big boss man to say what he wants? No, absolutely not. In any company... If Wade is my supervisor and Ray is our supervisor, and I've got something I want done, and I go straight to Wade to, to Ray, Wade's gonna get hurt. And you know what Wade's gonna do? He's he gonna cause me problems. He's a, even if he doesn't mean to, he's gonna cause me problems because he's gonna hear he doesn't respect me. Don't bypass lower authorities to higher ones. It may take longer. And it may put you at risk of losing, but it's dangerous to bypass the prince whom the eyes have seen. He has to be taken into consideration. Why? Because he knows some stuff that maybe you don't know. Imagine David not having Jonathan. David was fighting Saul, but Jonathan kept David informed. Jonathan protected David. That's the prince. Who David is seen? yes David did see King Saul but David had no uh, any kind of influence over him whatsoever except just make making him mad for example a problem with the Sunday school teacher should not go to the pastor as a first step I'm not saying it should not go to the pastor but it should go to the Sunday school teacher first why is it possible the pastor told the Sunday school teacher to do what they're doing I don't know. I can't imagine why he would do that. That's the problem. We don't have the experience. We don't have the information. By the way, context makes this wicked. It makes it wicked. Why is it wicked? It's not seeking Jesus. I wonder why Solomon didn't include it. (laughs) Again, I think the answer is going to be in Ecclesiastes. And The more I consider it, the more I believe we're going to see these Proverbs again as we study Ecclesiastes. And we'll put two and two together. I'm not there yet, so I don't want to tell you what's going to happen. If the Lord wills. That's that's the way that I want to present that. Verse 8. Go not forth hastily to strive. Stop right there. If this proverb stopped right there, it would be a good proverb. Go not forth hastily to strive. This is not talking about governments going to war. This is talking about me going to strive against weight. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Very similar to the last proverb. Don't rush to the fight, the last proverb said, don't rush to the highest leader. Talk to the lower leaders and get your information. He's saying here, don't rush into a fight, period. That doesn't mean we avoid all conflict because Scripture demands we have some conflicts. When, when Scripture is compromised or questions, we have a responsibility to at least in love discuss it. Find out if there's something this person knows that I don't know. But don't rush to it. Lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof. Make sure we know all the facts. In any dispute, especially in church, make sure we know all the facts. Now, how do we get to know all the facts? If you know the facts about Wade, don't ask Dad because Dad don't know. If you want to know the facts about Wade, go to Wade and ask him. Say, listen, I'm hearing some things, and I need to know if it's true, because if it is, then that might cause a problem. Just a friendly, loving, patient, uh, gentle discussion. Make sure we know all the facts. By the way, only God knows all the facts. So never think that we do know all the facts. Again, this is why we don't rush into the problem. You rush into it, you're almost guaranteed not to know all the facts. Seek God. Seek God. God, please show me what you want me to do with this. Give God time to show you through scriptures, through leadership of the Holy Spirit, through circumstances. Give God time to show you maybe what you're missing. Seek God first and make sure he wants the discussion to even take place there are certain things that are just not worth striving over. What color should the carpet be? That color. I honestly don't care. I really don't care. To me it's not worth it. It's not I don't care if it's if it's rainbow rainbow color. Ooh, now that sounds modern. I know a couple of different denominations that would love to have rainbow carpet just to show how modern they are. I don't care. It's not worth the fight. If there's a scripture involved though, that is. And it's not just rushing right in to destroy the other person. It's to say, hey, listen, we are built around the Bible. That's what we're built around. If we're not going to do what this verse says, then why are we even here? Imagine being at a motorcycle club and they decide, hey, we're all going to start driving cars. That club's going to disband the next month because they're about motorcycles when churches get away from the Bible bit by bit by bit they stop being churches and they're just Christian clubs are Christian clubs good? if that is what God has led a group of people to have more power to them but I don't want to be a part of a Christian club I I just don't care about all the noise and, and all of the, the fun and all of the events. When we were at Dollywood, there was a busload of kids from a church. And I thought to myself, I'm so glad I'm not in charge of that group. Should they not be there? That's between them and God. I, I, I'm not their judge, okay? I'm glad that there are Christian people working with those kids But when it comes to me personally, just give me the Bible, let's talk about the Bible. And so many Christian groups have drifted so far through the Bible, not only do they not do it, they don't even know what it says. Because what they talk about really doesn't depend on it that much. You know what I'm talking about, this is all over Christian television. Seek God, make sure He wants the discussion to even take place. And I wonder why Solomon didn't include it. Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou, not, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. This one is painfully obvious. We'll talk about it in Ecclesiastes. 9. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. You have decided this is worth the strife. This is important enough to fight. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Matthew 18 is almost a direct teaching of this. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Where do you think that came from? It came from Proverbs. It came from Solomon who did not include it in the book. Why? It's so wise Jesus used it If he shall hear thee, thou hast gain thy brother. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses everyone may be established, or the evidence can be presented. It's not about having a jury, and I've got to convince you to go with my side, and he's got to convince you. No, no. We're talking about people that know parts of it, can say, well, I heard this, I saw this. But it's in plain view, so that the person who's accused, or is quote unquote, the bad guy, doesn't find out they're talking about me in that room back there. No one wants to be talked about in a private room. It's just don't do that. If he should neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. There are churches that will use this verse to wait till someone is not there and then present it to the church that's absolutely dirty my former mother-in-law was going to church for a while and for her that was big and the preacher and her didn't always see eye to eye but it was a church significantly bigger than this one One day, she sat in a different seat. And the preacher thought she was not there. And he started preaching on all the things he didn't like about her. And then she stood up. Tell it to the church with them there. Let the church make the decision. Not so much what everyone thinks they should do, but what do we think God wants to do. That's our job. We're wrapped around the scripture. That's what we are. If we lose the scripture and go to opinion, we're just another club. We might even lose it. I was up there in Tennessee. Here, the YMCA is called the Y. Okay? Whenever you see the Y, ask yourself why. Okay? Up there, it's still called the YMCA. And I asked Michelle, I said, do they know what YMCA stands for? Young? Well, most of the people there are not that young, but some. Men's? Half the people there are not men. Christian? Almost nobody there is Christian. Association. They go with the Y, but really all they have is the A. They're an Association. All oh, they are they've lost the young they've lost the men they've lost the Christian they've just got the association so why call it the why I always say why do you call it the why you don't even do the why you do the A let us as a group when presented to us use scripture to make our decisions if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican Jesus did hang out with the heathen and the publicans because they were spiritually growing. He's talking about one that wants nothing to do with God. Doing these three steps in order has been taught over and over and over and over and over. It's obvious when we don't do it. And that's why we get infamy. Lest he that heareth it put thee to shame and thine infamy turn not away. Trust me on this one. When we get a reputation, it's very, very hard to correct. It's much easier just to do the right thing in the first place. Time for one more. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. I believe this means exactly what it says. It's like looking at a very professionally painted picture of apples. A word fitly spoken. Fitly spoken means appropriately spoken. It's appropriately spoken in the right way. Loving merciful, gentle. It's lovely spoken at the right time when the person who is involving is there. A word fitly spoken is beautiful, is what he's saying here. Folks, everyone wants to be liked. Everybody. I used to work with a guy he wanted to be liked so bad but he could not make it happen. Everything he did to make people like him just pushed them farther away because he did not have mentality to know what he needed to do speaking wisdom at the right moment is the most dependable way to be liked speaking wisdom fitly at the right time and the right way that is the most effective way to get people to like us 12 continues the thought as an earring of gold an ornament of fine gold so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. An earring of gold continues the beauty part. Ornament of fine gold, again, continues the beauty part. A wise reprover continues the word fitly spoken, but he adds something in this one. So is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Very similar to the last proverb, we only have partial control over this one. We can say the right things. But if the words are not received, then we have no control over that. An earring of gold, ornament of fine gold, as a wife approver upon an obedient ear, when we do experience it, be thankful. Because the only way that happens is when the Holy Spirit does the work. All through Scripture, we see prophets being persecuted for saying the right thing. There's almost always a few people that do respond. But the ones who do respond typically are ignored. The prophet just worries and frets over all the people that don't respond. I believe he's saying here, focus on the ones that do respond don't get so upset over those that don't respond that we stop talking altogether. Continuing, as the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. Now, the cold of snow is something I have absolutely no familiarity with. Time of harvest, I got an idea, and From what I understand, when the cold gets there, that harvest needs to be getting done. It's a motivator. So a faithful messenger, someone who is a wise reprover, Someone who says the right thing at the right time in the right way. Someone who can be depended on to tell the truth in the right way. So is a faithful messenger to them that send him. The people that send him, they know he's going to do it the right way. He can't make them listen. But they know he's going to deliver it the right way. In the same way that God sends the code to remind us, hurry up and get your work done. The person that sends this messenger says, "I'm I'm doing everything I can to make sure you get this message and get it clearly. This one is basically verse 11 again. Apples of gold, cold of snow, in the time of harvest, um, all this stuff is good things. you got a faithful messenger or forward fitly spoken. It's basically verse 11 again, as well as another one, Proverbs 13, 17. A wicked messenger follows in the mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. uh, Solomon did include this. Very similar thought, but he left out verse 11, 12, and 13. For some reason, I don't know why, but he did include thirteen, seventeen. Proverbs 15, 23, he also did include a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? So the concept Solomon wanted included. Why didn't he include it in chapter 25? I think it's timing. I think when Solomon wrote verse 11, 12, and 13 it was closer to Ecclesiastes and they thought, you know what, this is true but I don't think I want to include it not with Ecclesiastes starting up Ecclesiastes is going to cause me some problems and I need to be careful this is what I'm thinking of Solomon Solomon is beginning to drift mentally, he has to be and again, it's all based on the last verse of Proverbs and the first verse of Ecclesiastes there's too much that has to happen A good answer at the correct time is worth the multitude of hours of study it requires to have at the ready. To have a good answer at the right time means it's already in us. To have a good answer before a king or a leader means it's already in us. The only way to have a good answer at the right time is to study scripture. That's the only way. Father, thank you. Proverbs for me is just taking on a whole new meaning. Please help me as the messenger to do it lovingly, kindly, patiently. I want your word to be able to do its work without me in the way. Please grant that.